Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. So Jonathan, you and your fellow researchers are avoiding the term disinformation from now on. Did I get that right? I wouldn't call it avoiding, but more like broadening the term. So we've been seeking for a new frame that is more expansive and more inclusive because, you know, in this election cycle, we saw stuff that's more than just misleading information and outright lies. Mm -mm. What we saw was campaign innovations that were really exploiting gray areas of content policy of social media, campaign finance regulation, you know, fact checker intervention. So it's more than just blatant lies. Hindi na siya simpleng fake news na tinatawag natin. Kasi minsan totoo naman. At yung pinaghuhugutan ng grievances and anxieties ng mga tao, totoo din. Right, and all sides had their own army of trolls. Influencers, meme content creators, as we have been hearing from our podcast. Ng credit. What's our contract? If it's not, it's, it's a government program. So it's important we come up with a plan. So we're also presenting and keen to discuss our community engagement plan. Something that can serve as a starting point for a new creative collaboration for us to bridge our divided publics, our parallel public spheres. Hello, I'm Jonathan Ong, disinformation researcher and professor at the University of Massachusetts Amherst and Harvard University. And I'm Kat Ventura, Puma Podcast. You're listening to Catch Me If You Can, where we take a deep dive into the world of online trolls and talk to personalities involved in influence operations on social media. In this episode, we talk about the launch of our new study called Parallel Public Spheres, Influence Operations in the 2022 Elections. So in this episode, Jonathan, I will be interviewing you. And we will also be taking excerpts from the Twitter space we've done with Nicole, Ross, and Ferds. And your presentation in Harvard. Yeah, so madami nang nangyari, no? Uh, from last October, we actually launched this new study in Harvard Kennedy School, where I'm a research fellow. That event was just the first part of our launch. That's a formal academic launch. But we have also been busy communicating our findings and connecting with 
Filipino researchers and different communities of journalists, activists, civil society, you know, inviting new collaborators um, to learn from our study and also connect with us for our community engagement plan. What was the reception like? How did they feel about the report? Um, working in the disinformation space. Actually, imagine na uso itong idea of publishing open access reports in this particular field of communication studies, na disinformation studies. And so a lot of the conversation in this space was being published as open access reports. You know, just thinking about how urgent the issue of disinformation is and how we need to publish beyond, you know, academic paywalls of journals. But with a risk of newer and wider audiences of research, that comes with a lot of complications, parang. You know, we've had examples of an Oxford study, you know, exposing Duterte trolls. Na troll bigla ang Oxford. Mm-hmm. So it's not just about the actual findings of the research, but how you communicate it in such a way that, you know, you're actually still protected in your organization. And, you know, that it's not gonna bite you in the ass um, down the road. I think it's also just the idea of releasing this study and leaving it up for interpretation because there are so many ways to interpret what you just wrote, Jonathan. And I understand that as researchers, you are just telling it as it is. But of course, ang hirap lang kasi ma-misappropriate itong data ninyo or magamit siya for something else. Mm-hmm. So I think that's another layer to the dangers up ahead. So we're doing this podcast this podcast, it's just a reflection. It's a reflection on the report, but the links to the actual report are there on the description. You can read it in the Filipino version and in its English version. Dito nga, we have three of five, our junior researchers. I'd like to shout out J.M. Lanuza, who is a PhD student at UMass Amherst. And then we have two master's students in UP Diliman, Ferdinand Sanchez II and Ross Valerina. And of course, the other researcher is Professor Nicole Corato. So kami yung dalawang senior researchers. And we have to look out for specific risks and potential harms on our junior researchers. So importante yun sa pag-uusap namin. So I guess we can begin with this. It's not disinformation. It's now influence operations. And Ross explains it pretty well. We can be part of, uh, of a disinformation that we just don't know, right? And it's not just deliberate disinformation because what we're arguing in this report is going beyond disinformation but moving towards the framework of influence operation. Uh, it also includes information that might not be illegal or morally questionable but the intention behind that information is to really influence you to take a side and for you to double down on it. We also talk about how, for example, professionalize our opinions or standpoints or perspectives ng political pundits or even PhD holders can also be included into the fold of influence operations. Because it might not be the case na, for example, a, a professor or, or an academic is spouting um, misinformation or disinformation because May sense naman ang sinasabi niya, di ba? But what we're saying is that paminsan yung information na yun ay nagagamit ng political camps for their own particular gain. So when, when we try to expand our definition, for example, or try to define what the problem is, parang we found it 
appropriate or not restricted to the fr- frame of disinformation that aim for attention hacking and audience mobilization. And by defining it in that way, we also open the floodgates of recognizing that we're not only talking about uh, bloggers here uh, who can be spouting disinformation, but we can also talk about um, content creators on, on YouTube, TikTok, diba. So lahat ng iyon and all, all those people are, are trying to grab your attention. They're trying to mobilize mm-hmm. you to do a specific thing or to take a specific standpoint. And lahat yon ay sakop na ng influence operations na tinatawag namin. Okay, so let's talk about the influence operation. Who are the people behind this? So ito yung mga eksperto na may mga credentials and may mga PhDs or yung iba sa kanila nagpapanggap na, you know, kunwaring experts sila um, but they are the pundits who are also providing various justifications for politicians' policy positions. They sound really smart. Um, they offer their expert opinions on various topics of the day um, and sometimes they're even platformed on broadcast channels. So these are existing experts but also new ones? Yes. So some of them are yeah, legit academics and are actually credentialed and have formal titles. Some of them naman are, you know, alternative knowledge influencers na they are on YouTube or on TikTok. And di ba parang we have yung mga green screen function on TikTok. Mm-hmm. Scholars call this evidence collages. So parang they are showing various linkages from various, you know, examples and images to push various conspiracy theories. Yes, and you're saying that um, they're part of the influence operation. As, as what sila dito? So, yung contribution ng knowledge influencers is they provide a sense of legitimacy and an air of respectability to various um, narratives that are circulating, including historical distortion narratives. Kumbaga, in the past, you know, historical distortion claims or attacks on Legacy media or mainstream media, they're often expressed as crude memes or attack posts. Pero ngayon may justification na, may academic study na, kumbaga, na parang that will assert and construct new political realities. When I do think about these knowledge influencers, they can justify it because there are ways to justify it. Not to say that it was real, but also I'm trying to bring back another term that you did talk about in our earlier episode, yung recontextualized media. Ginagawa rin ba yung recontextualized media na kukuha ka lang ng snippets ng isang video, di ba? Tapos gagawin mo siyang TikTok, gagawin mo siyang video justification, or gagawin mo siyang meme. But here in Knowledge Influencer, like a historian could have a paper tapos he mentions one little thing about the certain candidate and it gets misinterpreted because it was recontextualized. Like, is that something that happens? And is that a danger that we see with Knowledge Influencers? For sure, yeah. The idea na um, scientific knowledge and empirical research, especially when interpreted by these knowledge influencers, what should clue you in? 
if this certain kinds of research are increasingly politicized for partisan ends, diba, na parang they are really advancing a very specific interpretation. Um, sometimes they pick and choose the kinds of data that they advance. They choose a certain methodology. They reject election survey methodology. Some of these knowledge influencers were guilty of that to advance, you know, a new interpretation based on Google data analytics. So the idea that knowledge influencers are, you know, all to be trusted, we need to be much more critical uh, as to how these experts sound. Some of them are actually affiliated as consultants for politicians or consultants for big business who seek guidance from them during critical events such as elections. So when they're platformed even by legitimate news channels like ABS-CBN or Rappler, some of them are not disclosing that they're actually working for a politician. Okay, so now let's move on to another personality that came out of these elections, the AFAM reactors. Sino naman nakadiscover sa kanila? Siyempre <laughs> ako, yeah. Ako nagsunat niyan. So, for, for the... Obviously, there's five people in this report, but I will happily take credit. I'm credit-grabbing for that section on AFAM reactors. These are attractive foreigners who stream Pinoy political content with intercultural commentary. So, ito yung mga YouTubers na... Obviously, popular naman sa atin yung, yung genre of reacting to music videos. Mm-hmm. Mga ganyan. So, uso sa ibang YouTubers yung magsistream ng news ng ibang bansa. So, I happened to, yeah, the YouTube rabbit hole that I was in, uh-huh, yeah, yeah, drove me to a foreigner who was streaming a lot of Marcos content. Including content about Marcos talk shows, Marcos um, guestings kay Tony Gonzaga, interviews with Boy Abunda, his performances in debates on SMNI, but sometimes even on conspiracy theory documentaries about the Marcos gold. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah, so 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 for me, it sounds quite trivial to talk about AFAM reactors in the context of, you know, bigger issues such as knowledge influencers. Pero for me, um, these content creators are really exploiting the YouTube ad algorithm for them to cash in on Pinoy political fandoms and their intense engagements with Marcos content. Diba? So, magkoproduce lang sila ng reaction video videos, alam nila kasi na maraming fans si Bongbong Marcos, kikita na sila through Google, through the YouTube ad algorithm. What's their role in the influence operation? I mean, I don't think, I don't think they're hired. Yeah, they're not hired by the Marcos official campaign machinery, but it's all exploiting the YouTube ad system and their trust in Marcos fans as really intense and passionate on social media. Yeah, it's interesting, no? Because it's yet another personality that sought to exploit the Filipino fans, Mm-mm. exploit them with... Because there are monetary gains that That was their only goal. They were just riding the cloud. Now, let's go to the last personality. There are three here. So we have knowledge influencers, AFAM reactors, and the third, a senator satirist. Can you tell us more about this? 
Senator Satirist is a real innovator when it comes to the use of her official social media channels. So, yeah, this Senator Satirist um, used her official social media pages to deliver coded satire to attack her family's opponents. Mm-hmm. And Jame Lanusa talked about the Senator Satirist's personality during your presentation of the report at Harvard. Let's listen. We haven't observed this before, but now we uh, see a sitting incumbent senator use her social media account, official account, to post professionally produced skits where she role plays as a sassy tita or a sassy aunt, delivering real talk and spilling tea, but in the process, delivering coded attacks against BP Robredo. This campaign innovation evades fact checks. It evades social media takedowns. How do you take it down when it's not doing anything uh, overtly malicious or wrong, right? Through its use of satire, uh, through its use of its clout, because it's in an elected official's media page. So disinformation in the Philippines has taken on quite a specific baggage. It calls to mind the idea of troll hunting, of fact-checking as the ways to respond to blatant lies. And to us, it's a bit narrow, the kind of associations that we have come to have when it comes to disinformation. And that's how we arrived at influence operations because we think it's a broader term to discuss the real innovations of 2022 na hindi na lang siya blatant lies, hindi na lang siya directly expressed na attacks, but they are justified. May mga citation pa paminsan, may mga kanya-kanyang justification. The people who are spreading these kinds of narratives are people with credentials and the strategies are exploiting mga gray areas of social media content policy but also mga campaign finance regulations. So hindi na lang siya clear-cut na false versus true ang labanan unlike in earlier styles of disinformation campaigning and para it encourages more people to think beyond fact-checking to think beyond deplatforming na Facebook kailangan iban yung mga trolls hindi lang ganun yung solution when it comes to influence operations We're advancing a much more sociological and community-focused set of interventions with the idea of influence operations. Kailangan what we call a whole-of-society approach. Ibat-ibang strategies na iba na legal ang approach. May iba naman focused on workers. May iba naman focused on counter-narratives. And this is what we communicate in our study. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Okay, so that was for influence operations. And now, let's talk about parallel public sphere. It's another term you introduced in this study. And I just love how Nicole Corato explained it during our Twitter space. I think it's such a powerful way to describe the Philippine public sphere at the moment. Kasi kung iisipin natin dati, kahit naman magkakaiba yung political perspectives ng mga Pilipino, iba-iba yung mga binoboto nating politiko, we used to still live in the same public sphere. Na parang lahat tayo nanonood ng ikulaga pag 12 o'clock dati. Lahat tayo nanonood ng 6pm primetime newscast, ba? Diba? Tapos parang yun yung nakakapag-inform sa atin kung ano yung nangyayari sa lipunan. So kahit may iba-iba tayong pananaw or opinion, yung baseline ng facts natin, pare-parehas pa rin. But of course, with yun nga, social media, nagpa-fragment na rin yung consumption natin of news and information and even entertainment, di ba? Kanya-kanyang curation niya ng feeds sa Netflix or other streaming sites. There's nothing that connects us anymore, na parang there's no common topic of, of conversation, na parang even when you look at Twitter trending topics, parang ang tagal ko pa bago ko na-realize kung sino yung mga vloggers na nag-aaway. And that's because our public sphere has become so fragmented. We don't have a common language to make sense of the reality. Actually, napakaganda ang example nung gitawa ni Nicole. Nung yung meron mga vloggers, I think nakita ko yun sa Twitter, no? may mga vlogger na nag-aaway. Tapos maraming questions sa Twitter. Sino ba yung mga vlogger niyan? Sikat ba sila? But in reality, or even doon sa mga spheres of influence, yung sinasabi natin, uh, yung doon sa verse, uh, universe nila, indeed, sikat sila. And nung tinarayin namin tingnan dito sa sa report or dito sa study namin, we, we actually tried to na actually navigate the different algorithms. Kasi I think, kailangan din inindihan na kung ano yung usually na nila like or sinishare ko, yun din yung nag-feed doon sa profile or doon sa wall na nakikita ko. So we actually had to navigate different kinds of spheres, uh, like <laughs> even to subscribe to different kinds of uh, YouTube channels, uh, pages on Facebook, and even yung mga users dito sa Twitter. So we also had to follow or even look into the outer universe or even different uh, supporters. So yes, it is difficult because may kita mo yung difference in yung fragmentedness ng different spheres. And you have to actually navigate yourself with it. Na parang, saan na ba ako nandito? So, ito's eventually, mag- magkakaroon ng effect yun sa personal, ano mo, profile mo, na meron ka na palang kinafollow. And actually, it's a good way to actually break your own system na hindi lang iisa yung kinafollow mo mga value systems. That last person you heard is Ferd Sanchez, who was also in our Twitter space, and he helped work on the digital ethnography of the study. But before we get to that, Ano ba itong public sphere na pinag-uusapan natin? 
Yeah, a public sphere is the political space where people meet to exchange their views, listen across difference, and solve collective problems. Obviously, um, this is a concept where we draw a lot of inspiration from Jürgen Habermas, who developed the concept of public sphere. In the Philippines, barang social media, radio programs, town halls, barangay assemblies, as well as everyday discussions in the workplace are comprising of the public sphere in the Philippines. So to us, the idea of, and we talked about this a lot, na parang, should it be fragmented public spheres na watak-watak na tayo? But then we actually discussed it and said, actually, um, we need to make a bolder claim that if in the past we imagined legacy media as being the gatekeeper of the public sphere, that they hold the political center where, you know, different politicians across different political camps come together um, to stage a national debate a political conversation across political divides. The fact that in 2022, the eventual president missed out and, you know, was an absentee for these national debates and chose instead to discuss his political program on a talk show, on a different broadcast media channel, that to us signaled the breakdown of legacy media and their control of the public spheres. And it's not just on social media. From your examples, we can see that this is a reality happening on the ground. And that's exactly what Ross Falorina shared in the Twitter space. I live through the effects of social media. Because I, I live in Leyte. Uh, Sapalo. And then this is uh, Marcos country, this is Duterte country, and my iba ang political opinion ko. I have a different political opinion than the people around me here. So, in terms of parang experiencing firsthand yung effect, kasi, kasi, then this is why the report means so much to me and it really resonates with me because my parallel public sphere, not just online but also offline. Kasi Dito sa household ko, sasabihin ko na lang, magkaiba kami ng political opinion ng parents ko. And at some point, nag-away kami right before the elections yeah. uh, to the point na hindi ko kinausap yung mom ko for like several months. Because of a discussion na I didn't want to have but she wanted to about politics. And when we were look, when we were listening to the news, she just had to say things about specific candidate and all those things. So, uh, ang sa akin, uh, very, the, the report resonates to me so much and after having that experience, I was also taken aback in terms of how should I respond dito sa transformation ng, ng public sphere natin. So I eventually I learned to live with the differences and I hope um, other people can as well. Kasi in as much as it's easy for people to unfriend people who are who have a different political opinion, sabi na natin kung kakamping ka, i-unfriend mo na lahat ng mga kakilala mo na Duterte supporters, Marco supporters, and all those things. You see that as if it's easy, but if you really want to live in the Philippines and if you really want to bridge the, yung parallel public spheres na yon, you shouldn't. But just this idea of a parallel public sphere, yung, when you say something is parallel, it's, it's two lines that will never meet, but they are adjacent to each other, meaning they do mirror one another. That kind of spooked me, to be honest, when I was reading the, when I was reading the report. The idea that everything happening on this side is also being mirrored on the other side. And what 
really scared me and what really concerned me a bit was the fact that if both sides are living in their own echo chambers with the sort of resources that will sustain it, how are they ever gonna meet? Yun lang eh. Okay pa sana kung fragmented tayo, hiwa-hiwalay, kasi pwede pang mabuo. Pero kung parallel na hindi na talaga tayo magtatagpo, parang mas nakakatakot yun eh. Exactly. And the discussions that took up a lot of our energy and, you know, and a lot of self-reflection is, should we discuss also yung mga practices ng uh, mga liberals, yeah, including liberal academics, liberal institutions such as us in academia? Part of the discussion ng research team namin is also a kind of how can we encourage some self-reflection through our study na ano ba yung mga practices natin that might exacerbate these divides? The idea of fighting fire with fire has been a theme of our season, di ba, Kat? Na mm-hmm. ang dami natin mga influencers na ang sagot nila sa influence operations is to fight fire with fire or mata sa mata. Is this the right way moving forward? And so we made space in our report to discuss the practices of cancel culture, also the practices of brigading or itong mass reporting of accounts. Now, are these practices as, you know, recognizing them as citizens' efforts to preserve the public sphere, to preserve spaces that, you know, defend um, the principles of the public sphere, to correct historical distortions? Are these legitimate ways of seeking accountability? Or pinapaigting ba nila lalo ang divisiveness na ating na-experience today? talk about those two practices, cancel culture and brigading, in part two of the Elections Report episode. Again, I'm Jonathan Ong. And I'm Kat Ventura, Puma Podcast. This episode was edited by Carl Saya. It was funded by Internews and powered by Puma Podcast. Follow Catch Me If You Can on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you have suggestions or comments for the show, We'd love to hear them. You can also follow me on Instagram at John C. Ong. Maraming salamat po. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 